Hello, and welcome to the Unsolicited Film Reviews Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Hey, I'm Martin Cook. And at the time of this recording, we are exactly 24 hours removed from the 93rd Academy Awards ceremony from Union Station in Los Angeles, California. The stars were out, the bling was shining, it's the biggest Hollywood circle jerk of the calendar year, but damn if it ain't the Super Bowl for us film buffs. We'll cover the awards as well as the broadcast itself. We'll talk about the biggest surprises, screw-ups, and snubs. All right, partner, what were your kind of broad thoughts on what the Oscars had on offer this past Sunday evening? Well, I think the first thing we should mention is that nobody watched this. Like nobody, this was a, a received a record low viewership down fifty eight percent. Yeah, fifty eight percent from last year even, and last year's viewership wasn't all that good. So uh, obviously that had a lot to do with the pandemic and the fact that most people hadn't seen or in many cases even heard of a lot of these movies. But I think uh, they're probably all the people at ABC and at the Academy are really kind of crossing their fingers that things will bounce back next year. I don't think it had much to do with the presentation and the show itself. I think that the average person on the street just had never seen any of these movies. And maybe, like, maybe they saw Soul on Disney Plus or something. But yeah, most people, like, like you said, have never even heard of these movies. So why would they, why would they invest in anything? Yeah, exactly. I was talking to my brother and his wife uh, on Sunday before the Oscars. And I was telling them I was going to watch the Oscars and mentioned all the, the the titles that were nominated for Best Picture. And look, they're they're not film buffs like we are, but they they watch movies. They've got their Netflix and Amazon and everything else. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yep, haven't seen any of those, like any of the <laughs> ones that were nominated for Best Picture. So I think that probably wasn't an exception to a lot of the viewing audience out there. And so that's that's what we were left with. And you're right. I don't think it had anything to do with the show itself, because I think the people who were going to watch watched and the people who weren't weren't. I don't think anybody turned off in disgust after the first five minutes or anything <laughs> like that. But, uh, yeah, it certainly couldn't have been what the what the network was hoping for, I'm sure. Yeah, for me personally, this is my favorite presentation of the Oscars that I've ever seen. I love the no-host format. We talked about that on our Oscars preview. I love that the people that actually mattered got to talk instead of some comedian wasting the first 20, 25 minutes on some bullshit monologue with just cheesy jokes that have to be all toned down for a network audience. Um, There wasn't any of the the wrap-it-up music that, you know, only gives the people that have spent their entire lives working towards this pinnacle, this one moment, and you have to sum it up in 90 seconds. I mean, it's just a travesty. I've always been pissed off about that. So the fact that they got to, you know, compose themselves a little bit because they did just win the greatest award of their lives. So they need a chance to, you know, take it all in for at least a minute, just breathe and center yourself and then get to thank the people you want to thank and, you know, um, have a, have a chance to revel in that moment that you've been working for for so long, as opposed to, you know, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, or Tina Fey just coming on and telling some cheesy jokes. Exactly. And we'll get to some of those specifics when we get to the what worked and what didn't work. But I, I agree with you. I think overall it was a pretty good pretty good show for the most part. It, it uh, Maybe not the best. And there wasn't, it, wasn't, it was a little underwhelming, I guess, maybe again because of the movies. 
but it wasn't obviously terrible. So that's a step up compared to some of the ones they've had in the past with, you know, <laughs> the, the Franco Hathaway one comes to mind and some of the Ooh. others that they've had. So, you know, it's, uh, it's it was definitely in the top half of, of Oscar uh, presentations that they've had. And there, there were a lot of things I did like and some of the ones you've mentioned. And uh, I guess we'll we'll get to that right now. I forgot about that Frank. <laughs> I guess I tried, to, I, I tried to push it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, that was an atrocity. <laughs> I haven't seen two people with worse chemistry. <laughs> oh, my goodness, no. God. And, and I will say what they, um, you know, Soderbergh was doing a lot of interviews in the lead up because, of course, he was the, the producer of it. And I think that really worked well, having a somebody who actually knows how to direct as, as kind of the producer of the whole thing. He, he kept talking about how particularly the opening was going to fee, feel more cinematic than, than other Oscar shows. And yeah, it definitely did. It also, in a way, to me, yeah. felt kind of like Regina King was doing a WWE entrance as she so walked into the arena there. Yeah, it was like Goldberg. <laughs> 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 Should have had two security guards flanking her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was a badass entrance. It really though. was. The, yeah. the, the music, the direction, that her dress was amazing. Like, uh, yeah, her, just the way that she... Walked with such yeah, swagger. Yeah, yeah, absolute swagger and confidence as she walked into that place. And then she trips, <laughs> yeah. which, which is kind of endearing, you know. It, it, she's like, live TV, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it got off to a really great start. It did. So um, what? let's just start with what worked. What do you think were the real high points of this presentation? Uh, okay, well, for me, I, I guess I'll start with the pre-show. Uh, so two things I really liked about the pre-show, because normally the pre-show is horrible, right? It's just a whole bunch of inane interviews. And the, I liked, I'm sure next year they'll want to bring back this, the fans and the stands along uh, the Hollywood Boulevard and, and everything. But I actually really liked the sort of outdoor Oscars lounge feel that they had going this year. So I hope maybe they, they find a way to, to, um, to reenact that next year, even if they do have more fans. Because for me, that, that really worked. It made it seem less... I don't know, it made it seem a little more casual for the actors and actresses. You could see them chatting with each other in the background. I really enjoyed that. So that worked in the pre-show. And the other thing I think really worked as well was having the song performances in the pre-show. Because uh, for one thing, it cut down on the, the full time of the Oscars. It gave them sort of their moment and spotlight as opposed to being overshadowed. And again, it it broke up a lot of the, the inane interviews, so it made the pre-show better. So starting with the pre-show, those two things, I think, were definite pluses. The pre-show was absolutely amazing. I'm glad I caught it because I usually, I'm like making hors d'oeuvres or something like that during the uh, during the build-up, but I was hooked on the pre-show. I mean, um, Lil Ray Howery was an amazing host. Yeah, it didn't hurt uh, that, he's, that he's really good friends with a bunch of the people that he was interviewing. So it was just kind of a fun vibe that he had going on. Exactly, yeah. It was like a party atmosphere, like you said. It was so laid back. It looked, it looked like they were actually having fun, not that, not just this is an obligation because <laughs> I'm just walking down the red carpet giving the same answer to the same questions 50 fucking times exactly. to different no-names from Entertainment Weekly and E! News and shit like that. So, um... Yeah, I, th I thought that was amazing. It was one of the highlights of the night for me. Um, the performances on top of the Academy Museum that's going to open this September 30th was, were really well produced, um, really moving. 
And I just have to say that new Academy Museum looks like a movie lover's wet dream come true. It really does. Oh, man, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to plan a trip back to L.A. as soon as that opens up and uh, come visit you and we'll go see that museum because, yeah, I can't wait. But for me, one of the other big things that worked is the thing you already mentioned, the, the not playing people off with music. And for, for all the reasons you, you already mentioned, and also it just it, it gets so annoying in the actual broadcast when it almost every speech people are getting interrupted and then they get all flustered and then they rush and then their speeches are terrible. And instead, oh, sure, there might have been a couple that went a little too long, but it wasn't obvious, right? It didn't stand out. There wasn't anybody who kept droning on and on and on. And so I think overall that they should really stick with that. Don't, you know, get away from that playoff music because it just makes it annoying. It, as you said, it takes away from the artists at sort of the peak of their careers. Um, so yeah, that also really, really worked. Yeah. Especially for those that are behind the camera. I mean, you know, actors, they get interviewed ad nauseum throughout the process, promoting the movie and then afterward when they win, but for the lowly, you know, writers, cinematographers, sound designers, everybody else, it's, uh, it's their one moment where people actually get to see their face (laughs) and to, to cut that short and take that away from them is just, uh, it's just a pure ratings grab and it obviously doesn't result in ratings anyway. No, because it actually ends up making the show worse. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, if your show is going to run three and a half hours anyway, then, you know, the people that care are going to tune in and the people that really did the work and earned it, not some freelance host that comes in, should be getting that time. Completely agree. Completely agree. Another small thing that worked for me um, is that uh, I was very happy to see that they avoided the temptation. Now, this is a tiny thing, but probably big for some people, that they avoided the temptation of Marley Matlin announce one of the categories that Sound of Metal was nominated in. Because, you know, they used to do that kind of shit all the time where it's like, oh, there's a movie about deaf people. Let's give it to the one deaf person we know. But instead, you know, they had her announcing some other category. So... Small thing, but I'm glad they avoided the temptation to do the kind of thing that they'd done in the past with that. Yeah, another thing that worked for me is that there were it wasn't overly political like a lot of these award shows are. I know you, all the A-listers feel like they have to use their platform to preach their ideology, but I think they were just so happy to get out of the house <laughs> and you know get out of their sweatpants. So many of them said that in the pre-show too. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> just. Uh, it's nice to see them kind of keep it on a, on a positive note for the most part, which is wild considering the year we just endured. It really is. I, but also, I mean, we're only a couple of years from, from uh, removed from Oscars So White now, and yet mm-hmm. it not only in terms of the nominees and the winners, this was probably the most diverse Oscars we've ever had. I mean, just the fact that an Oscar was given to an actor who was playing a heroic version of Fred Hampton is a sign that the industry is probably coming. Obviously, there's still a lot. There's a long way to go still. But, uh, you know, baby steps and and things are starting to look better. So I I think that was um, all fantastic. And at the same time, you're right, they didn't have to sort of hit people over their head with the the political views. Yeah, I was really shocked to see that on when I checked Variety this morning that one of their top headlines was related to 
that there is a step forward in diversity, but they should have done a lot more. And uh, to quote Smart Hulk, I see this as an absolute <laughs> win for diversity. <laughs> it really was. Mm. Yeah, what a had to be at least sixty-year-old Asian woman winning an Oscar for best, you I mean, know, best supporting actress, and you know, uh, we'll get to the Chadwick Boseman thing later, but. It was, uh, you know, two years in a row, people of Asian descent have won Best Director. I mean, we are making grand, grand strides mm-hmm. in the diversity department as far as the industry Exactly. Goes. And, you know, first uh, woman to be named Best Director since, um, uh, since uh, The Hurt Locker. Um, so I mean, hopefully that starts happening a little bit more often. But also, you know, mm-hmm. there were there were a couple of women uh, nominated in that category as well, as opposed to just sort of it wasn't just one token uh, female director. So that was also positive. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya won um, a bunch. Of, so yeah, it was uh, it was starting to get to the point which it should, where we don't have to comment on it anymore, <laughs> and that it's it's sort of accepted that, yeah, this is the diversity that's represented in our movies that we see in everyday life. Yeah, we even had Bong Joon-ho present the award for Best Director entirely in Korean. Yeah, and I, I will say that was, that was one thing I really enjoyed, the fact that he brought back the, his translator, Sharon Choi, from last year, that she was there again this year because, you know, we all sort of feel like we got to know her along with uh, uh, Boone, uh, Boone last year, right, during the all the Oscar, the, the awards uh, season. And so it was fun to see her again, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, switch to the negative. <laughs> what do you think didn't work here? All right, so let, let's start with the obvious that the whole not having the best picture last thing was just a disaster. Uh, so that I, I can imagine why they did it. This is my guess as to why I think they did it. I think they did it precisely because we were talking about it front, that a lot of people hadn't even heard of most of the movies that were nominated for Best mm-hmm. Picture. And so if they're, you know, the casual fan is making the choice to stay up for another half hour, 45 minutes and keep watching, or maybe they'll stay up because there's a category with Chadwick Boseman and Anthony Hopkins and people like that that they've heard of. They might stay up for a category like that, whereas they might not stay up for a category with Minari and Sound of Metal, right? Uh, however... Mm-hmm. It was an unmitigated disaster. First of all, it was just weird. But then when Anthony Hopkins didn't show up and Chadwick Boseman didn't win, the show basically ended with an awkward rambling speech by Joaquin Phoenix, and then that was it. So it was so anticlimactic and so terrible. They've got to go back to putting the best picture last next year. Yeah, I mean, that's like playing the Super Bowl before you play the AFC (laughs) Championship game or something. (laughs) I mean, because Best Picture is the end-all, be-all. You know, it's it's the culmination of all these other awards. And when they announced, when they started announcing the uh, the Best Picture nominees, I was like, "What, really?" Like, yeah, I, I, this can't. Yeah, be I wondered if you know somehow Steven Soderbergh had taken sick, and they brought in M Night Shyamalan, and he thought he needed to have a twist <laughs> for the fucking production because I couldn't couldn't think of a reasonable explanation. 
yeah, I think they. I think everybody thought that Chadwick Boseman was going to win because he won the SAG Award, he won the Golden Globe, and they wanted to end the show on an emotional high note with his widow accepting the award on his behalf. But when, <laughs> I mean, talk about a, a monkey wrench in the, <laughs> in the gears. Like when the best actor that wins. And you put the best actor at the very end of the show, and he's not even in the yeah. building. He's in fucking Wales. <laughs> and he doesn't even find out he won until the next morning. <laughs> like, yeah, because he's 80 he's years be old, and he's just hanging yeah. out and trying to avoid people. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, credit to Anthony Hopkins for uh, giving a shout-out to Chadwick Boseman on his acceptance speech. and But, I mean, it was it was too little, too yeah. late. Yeah, yeah. For the broadcast, yeah, least. I think I think the the Onion today had a had an article about the Academy Awards because now obviously there's been some outrage about Chadwick Boseman not winning, and there was something an Onion article about uh, the head of the Academy coming out with Anthony Hopkins severed head and said, "Okay, we murdered him. Is that good enough for you now?" <laughs> and I mean, I feel bad for Anthony oh, Hopkins absolutely. because there's going to be so much backlash and vitriol thrown his way just because he's the de facto scapegoat. But, I mean, he was great in The Father, but <laughs> that that I, I don't understand how they didn't get a Chadwick Boseman. I mean, I don't know if there was some backroom politicking. But. Well, I guess the only thing I can think of is, is this, that, and again, I, The Father was one of the ones I didn't see, unfortunately. So uh, by all accounts, his performance is fantastic. Um, it is, yeah. and we always have to keep in mind that by far the largest voting block in the Academy are actors and actresses. Uh, and so if they just, you know, really appreciated the craft of what Anthony Hopkins was doing, just because he's such a legend and a genius, then maybe that just tipped their hand. And for the first time in forever, they actually voted for the performance rather than the, you know, the larger narrative. Maybe that's what happened. That's that's about the the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, he definitely doesn't deserve the, the hate. No, no, absolutely <laughs> that's, not. That's going to come his way because, I mean, by all accounts, he's one of the most professional, nicest. Yeah people in the industry and he always has been which is you know why so many people want to work with him other than his yeah not to mention he's you know easily one of the best actors of the last 50 years so the fact that he now has two oscars isn't somehow out of the realm of possibility right that that -hmm. seems about right but but do we mention that anthony hopkins was the oldest guy to ever win an acting oscar that's pretty incredible to be still Mm -hmm. you know performing at that high level at that age it's uh yeah, very laudable. And as you say, he doesn't deserve the hate. But speaking of, of Chadwick Boseman, and uh, he unsurprisingly got, got the hammer in the in-memoriam section, um, but uh, I, I didn't like the in-memoriam section. I think maybe it was because no, it, it so was many garbage. people had died this year, but first of all, the music didn't quite seem appropriate. But then they blitzed through people so quickly that normally in those sections, it's you have a little bit of time to say, oh, yeah, that person. I remember that person. But exactly. this time it was like, boom, 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 boom. And you barely had time to register some of the names and faces that were flying by on the screen that it was really almost insulting to some of those people. And, and yeah, so I, I really did not like that section this time. Yeah, I mean, either. And there was a very glaring omission in Jessica Walter, who 
You're right. Her, wow. Yeah. In her in her later years, she just blew up with Arrested Development and Archer, and she was just one of the greatest comedic actresses of the past 15 years. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was um, the Oscars trying to be, oh, we're the movie people, not the TV people. But you're right. That's still a ridiculous oversight. They do everybody in showbiz in those in memoriams, though, and... Again, this goes back to not having a host. When you have that room to breathe, you know, this is their this is the last time anybody's going to see their faces for the most part in a in, you know in a very in a grand setting at least. So, you know, give them at least 2 seconds. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was like less than a second for some of these people and they were just like you said blitzing by these guys and uh yeah, it was it was depressing cuz like you said, it was just like, oh, yeah, that, oh, wait, wait oh, that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That Especially was, when there were so many big names this past year that had died, yeah, too, really that names. it just, it didn't give, any, it didn't give them time to do any of them justice. So, yeah, that, that was really unfortunate. And, and actually, normally, that's kind of, it, it sounds a bit morbid to say, but that's one of the segments that I enjoy, that I look forward to at the Oscars most, is just sort of have those spare moments to remember the great careers of these people. And it just didn't give us that this year. Yeah, that's the irony of it is that they usually give those, those segments a lot of gravitas. You know, they have like a solo violin player or they'll play some just really poignant classical music over it. And yeah, the music just didn't fit. The whole thing just felt like it was put together at the very last minute, almost like they forgot about the In Memoriam segment. Yeah. Like, we got we got squeeze this in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a disgrace. Of this so they gave it to some year. intern at the academy to throw together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, so yeah, that was disappointing. Another thing I have to say, if you're gonna, I mean, sure, Glenn Close dancing to debut was a little funny, but if you're gonna have a whole skit based around them going off and swearing about the academy, you just have to know that's not gonna work on ABC. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know why they they bothered with that skit when they would know that half of it was going to be censored anyway. So I thought that was, for the most part, kind of unnecessary. <laughs> Although I do like the idea of, of uh, movie music trivia, but uh, mm-hmm. I just I just don't <laughs> think the jokes and the bit really worked because it was so censored. Yeah, I thought some of the people were drunk. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were. They had just, tables. They they yeah. could have been hiding flasks under. <laughs> and and another thing. Speaking of the the music, look, I love Questlove. He's he's one of my favorite artists. I th- I think the guy's a genius. But some of his song choices were strange. I thought. I mean, yeah. Brad Pitt coming on to fight the power, and, and I just I just didn't quite understand yeah, I, I some of the, some of his, some of his song choices. But whatever. It was funny because at at the onset of the awards, um, I was joking with my stepdad about, uh, you know, what's Questlove going to do for the wrap it up music is just instead of like the slow build of the violin, it's just going to be like, wicky, 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 wicky. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. Yeah, he tweeted. I was I was following Twitter a little bit just for the the rapid reactions, and somebody tweeted at him about 
uh, after one person had gone a little too long. And he said that's the first thing that he asked when he got the gig was, okay, what, what can I do for playoff music? And they told him right away, no, we're not doing that this year. So <laughs> he, he at least had it in mind, but uh, no, they, they That would have been the him. only good thing about playoff music is <laughs> yeah, to see what he would have come up with because it, his song choices seem so <laughs> random at times. But I thought he did a decent yeah, job if, I mean, if we're not going to have the yeah. – the orchestra and that seems kind of almost outdated at this point anyway. So if you can bring in the, one of the best DJs of all time, then go for it by all means. Definitely. Didn't result in any ratings boost. (laughs) No. (laughs) At least they were trying. So what do you think? I mean, I guess we touched on probably the biggest surprise, the Anthony Hopkins over Chadwick Boseman surprise. Uh, is there anything else that really shocked you or surprised you in terms of the winners or anything else that happened? Okay, so in my Oscars um, ballot that I do every year, I only got a 17 out of 23, which on the surface seems like a good percentage, but I usually get up into the 20s. I haven't missed a writing Oscar in four years. Um, If you listen to our last podcast, you know that while I borderline detested Promising Young Woman. I did pick them to win the <laughs> best original screenplay, and they did. But I was surprised that The Father won. I thought that Nomadland was going to take best adapted screenplay, but The Father deserved it more. I, I think I said that as well. Um, it was a better script, but I was surprised that they actually gave him that mm-hmm. one. Well, just, just on The Promising Young Woman, Emerald Finale, just as a side note, She's had a hell of a run for herself lately. I mean, she's playing um, Camilla in The Crown. She was a writer on Killing Eve, and now she's and now she's you know written an an, an Oscar winning screenplay. So uh, that's a pretty good couple of years for for a fairly young artist. So good for her. Even though you hated the movie, I actually quite liked the movie. But. Uh, yeah. Other than other than Chadwick losing, um, I don't think there were that many shockers I was somewhat surprised it what didn't blow me away that Francis McDormand won but that's not who I thought was going to win for for best actress um, as you I, I guess people just really liked Nomadland but I, I thought for sure Viola Davis was going to win that but again, if she didn't win and Chadwick Boseman didn't win, maybe people just really didn't like uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom all that much. I guess I, I thought it was electric, but I guess you're right. Uh, I, I actually wasn't a, that big of a fan of it just because it came across as way too uh, theatrical to me and way too mm. sort of artificial. But I did feel that the performances were were really good and worthy. Um, the movie just didn't speak to me in a way that I thought it would, since I, I love that period of music as well. But mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a lot of the uh, the Academy voters felt the same way. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it did win best makeup and hairstyling, uh, best costume design, and a couple others. But yeah, I just I just thought those two acting performances were some of the best. There. I agree. Yeah. At least uh, Viola Davis is one of the best dressed. <laughs> that's true. So that's, that's true. A consolation. But yeah, her performance, I thought, was just, I mean, she just transformed herself for that role in a way that Francis, Francis McDormand didn't. As you mentioned in our previous no. podcast, she's yeah. she's excellent. Don't get me wrong. Everybody loves her. But she's 
she's a little one note at this point. You kind of know what kind of character she's going to play. Yeah, she's just going to be the sassy, no nonsense older lady. Doesn't take shit from anybody. No yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it has no filter. Yeah. I was surprised at how incredibly moving some of the speeches were. Especially, I have to call this out, uh, Thomas Vinterberg for another round, yeah. who, who tragically lost his daughter only four days into, into production, and she was supposed to be one of the leads in the movie. Um, she got killed by a distracted driver in Africa, and uh, I can't even imagine um, to the will to carry on and the fact that the entire crew pulled together to make this project when its creator was in such dire, dire grief was really inspiring and just incredibly moving. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was just heartbreaking to hear that story. I actually hadn't really heard uh, the whole story before until he mentioned it. And then obviously I went and, and looked it up and, yeah, just incredibly sad and heartbreaking. For me, the the speech of the night was was Tyler Perry's. Um, I thought I oh thought his God. speech was yeah. phenomenal. And look, it's the kind of speech that I would tend to like because I'm a big proponent of people coming together and and overcoming uh, differences and, and joining oh, that's so joining in the middle. But there's a <laughs> why would you want well, to do there's that? A lot of people, I don't fucking think that way though these days. Unfortunately, I know, I know. people like to tend towards the extremes. Uh, but I mm-hmm. thought his speech was just impassioned and and articulate and just a phenomenal speech. So for me, hands down, Tyler Perry's speech of the night. Yeah, I completely agree. And I am not in the least a fan of Tyler Perry's work. No, me neither. All credit to him that he's become this, like probably the the second most successful black entertainer behind Oprah over the past 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, kudos to him because he found a market and he just nailed it. But the, the Mendea character, <laughs> the Mendea character just, no. yeah, yeah, no, I am not a big fan of his movies either, but, uh, he's made it work. And as you say, uh, kudos for him for everything he's built and the fact that now he's using it to, to give back and he's not just sitting on his mountain of cash, like so many of Absolutely. the other mo- movie moguls do. Yeah. And the fact that he not only, called for togetherness but that he singled out police officers like that he's not going to hate you just because you're a police officer you know he he doesn't come with any prejudgment i I thought that was so refreshing because there's there's such a war out there in america between minorities and the police right now and that obviously is a huge huge fucking problem but you know not all cops are the gestapo and the fact that he can reach out and kind of cross those lines is, I just found it goosebump inducing. Honestly, I thought it was a, an amazing, amazing speech. Completely agree. Completely agree. So now, now let's move on to a lighter note because uh, <laughs> every year there's always some funny moments. And so what, what were some of the funniest moments you, you thought that happened in, in last night's show? I thought I was going to pass out from laughter when Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> won his Oscar. And it started out as a very, again, a very moving speech, as a lot of them were. And you could tell he was trying to fight back the tears. And then all of a sudden he's just like, 
me mom and dad, they have sex. Like, how incredible is that? And now I'm here. And you can see the look on his mom's face. And, you know, she, yeah. unfor- unfortunately, she wasn't in the room. She had to be in uh, England because of COVID reasons. But you could tell just the, the embarrassment on her face. Because, I mean, you could, you could tell she's one of those, like, classic black moms sort of old, old school yeah. yeah yeah her reaction was i i assume that by today there's already a thousand memes of her, of her reaction face out there because yeah that was hands down i agree one of the funniest moments of the night because if, if she was in the room i'm convinced she would have got up on that stage and whooped his ass <laughs> <laughs> oh he probably got a talking to the next yeah, time sure. like right afterwards <laughs> Yeah, because that wasn't an amused face. That was a. No, that no, was no. a. What did he just say? His sister. His sister was. Oh very yeah, his sister was just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that but was... He, he was he, he was so chill throughout the entire night when he was interviewed during the pre-show because of course uh, he worked together with Lil Ray Howie and um, uh, Get Out. Yeah. So they were like brothers, and you know he, he's just so chill. Anytime you see him in an interview, he's just like, "Oh, bruv," and bruv. he's he's got that really deep English accent, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy his work, and I think he deserved it. And he also had one of the better speeches of the night. He really did, yeah. And he just he's it's so amazing that he's got this just thick like uh, was it like South London accent or whatever. And yet he just, um, yeah, he can play anything and, and put on any any sort of accent and, and take on any role. He's just an amazing actor. We, we um, texted back and forth about this during that pre-show. But in that interview with Lil Ray, he said that he even took up smoking at one mm. point to to try to change his voice for the role of Fred Hampton. I mean, that is some commitment to your art. Holy shit. Yeah, and we both said that we hope he quits so he has a long and happy career. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For for me, one of the other really funny moments was when um, they're they're annou- trying to announce the um, the well the, uh, announcing the, it was Halle Berry announcing the winner of Best Cinematography. And she got to the winner and she butchered his name twice and the camera was on him when it happened. So him trying to keep a poker face as she's calling him Eric Messenger Schmidt and then something else. And yet his wife was just turning him going, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to keep the straight face. But I I really would have liked him to get up and start his speech by saying, thanks, Hallie Blueberry. And just, (laughs) she just, like she butchered his name twice. Once when she read the nominations, and once when she read him as, as the, uh, as the winner. But uh, but him trying to keep a poker face during that, I think, was one of the funnier moments for me. And it's not like she was there because she was nominated. She was there solely to present that award. So you think yeah, she'd do her research? Learn the names. <laughs> like it's not you're not speaking for an hour. Again, you're not the host who's got to you know come up with a twenty minute stand up act. Just you're reading off names. Learn them. It's not that hard. <laughs> oh yeah, the joke that um, I'm probably going to butcher this in totally ironic fashion, fashion but. Yu Young Yoon, when she was <laughs> saying that uh, everybody pronounces my name wrong, but I'll forgive it because he gave me the Oscar. <laughs> I thought she was so charming. Yeah, she really was. 
<laughs> and you know, Brad Brad Pitt being the cool motherfucker that he always is, was lending him lending her his arm so she could walk down to the <laughs> Yeah, consummate <laughs> gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, and, and it's funny though that he had never because he produced uh, he was one of the producers on Minari, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's funny that she was like I still haven't met him yet, and so oh, there he is. <laughs> Thanks, man. So that was kind of cool, but I guess you know during the pandemic and everything in the lead up, yeah, it's quite possible that producers never would have met the stars in their movies. Yeah, so. producers never have to be on set. Yeah, so, yeah it's, I'm sure he just watched the dailies and exactly. Yeah. For, for me, another one of the absolute most hilarious moments was when they put up the nominees for best song, and um, and she's like, oh, and there's a pair joining us from Sweden, and then they put up these two guys. Look, if you would put up like all of the nominees ever for any Academy Award. I could have picked up the two guys who who wrote the song Hosevik. Like they just looked like they were straight up extras from the Vikings show. <laughs> you couldn't have you couldn't have picked anybody else who would have been the two guys who were from the song from the Eurovision Song Contest. They just they looked the part. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I love the clip that they showed because uh, honestly, I had never heard of the. Eurovision before the nominee came out. I, I had no idea that was a Will Ferrell movie. And it's this like really poignant, serious song. And then they show Will Ferrell's face and he's got like, this long Nordic <laughs> hair. And I'm like, oh my God. I have to watch this movie now. <laughs> it's, it's definitely got some amusing parts to it. It's, uh, yeah, it's worth uh, some time just if you're looking for a couple of laughs and you're looking to kill some time one night. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah, those are, those were definitely the, the some of the moments I thought were the funniest during the evening. And when they, I always think when these award shows are trying to be funny is when they're at their least funny. Like you could tell right. the Glenn Close debut thing was scripted from top to bottom, and it it just fell flat. It was it was kind of chuckle worthy, but uh, it's just. You could obviously tell that it was pre-planned. It wasn't just like, oh, Glenn Close knows the butt. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just, yeah, anyway. And it went on too long for that one yeah. joke. But And as I said, yeah, the, the fact that they had to censor it anyway was just kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the funniest moments come from just... Yeah, spontaneous shit mostly exactly. from the actors just being the funny, uh, the actors and the directors and whoever just being the funny personalities that often they are. Because their whole job is to be engaging and charismatic. So, you know, let them fly. Let them be the beautiful little butterflies that they are and give them, give them three to five minutes to just get up there and riff on whatever they want to riff on. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, not all of them are engaging. And I mean, hopefully this is the last time we ever see Joaquin Phoenix do anything at an award presentation. <laughs> um, I was kind of worried when Harrison Ford got up there because normally he's a horrible public speaker as well. Mm-hmm. But he actually had kind of a fitting anecdote this time. So it wasn't, you know, as it still wasn't great, but it was it was at least fitting and made sense in the context of what he was presenting. So yeah, when, when they him. said coming up next, Harrison Ford, I was like, oh, oh no, Jesus. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, he's notoriously just so ambivalent about his life, his profession, and the whole Hollywood scene in general. I mean, 
He's been doing it just for the money for the past like, 30 <laughs> years. Almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it works to his credit because his characters like Indiana Jones and Han Solo are those kind of people. Exactly. So he doesn't really have to act. He just has to show up on set. Yeah. Kind of maybe sort of learn the lines, <laughs> put the costume on and... You know, and keep all in a day's work. Yeah, keep cashing them checks there, Harrison. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, any, any other things, uh, not necessarily funny or good or bad, but just other random things that stood out to you? I thought the the atmosphere was really cool. I love the intimate the intimacy of the uh, the Union Station. I like how there were there were windows in there and. There were some really cool set designs. Like I love those Oscar lampshades. I don't know if you noticed those. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are really cool. Um, and uh, I think the last thing was I loved the uh, the Brian Cranston Humanitarian Award segment. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and it, I mean Cranston is sort of the opposite of Harrison Ford and Joaquin Phoenix. Anytime you give that guy something to say, he's going to make it memorable. He's just yeah, Cranston's fantastic. They they should use him as often as they can. Even when he was doing the voiceover for the uh, the charity organization, I was like, God damn, this guy's voice is so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's amazing, and I love how he started out in the empty Dolby theater to remind us of where we were last year, and they kind of come out go through the healthcare workers and everything show us the lobby of the Dolby. Cause unfortunately I've never been able to attend a screening there. Right. But yeah, I thought, I thought that was really well done as well. I thought a lot of the, the kind of tertiary segments were really good in last night as well. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, yeah, just other just random shit that stands out. Um, uh, you know, anyone who says that their favorite film when they were twelve years old was Citizen Kane is lying. Let's just yes. let's just make that clear right now. There's just I called him out on that. There's just well, no yeah. way that that's the truth. So there's some pretentious bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, congrats to them. They actually won the Oscar, but you're a lying bastard. Um, maybe, okay, bastards may be too harsh. <laughs> I might want to work with that guy someday. Sorry, <laughs> still a liar. Um, uh, poor John Baptiste needing to wait those, like, extra three seconds before they got to his name after saying uh, Terrence uh, Reznor and Atticus Ross and John oh, yeah. Baptiste because he didn't know if it was uh, Soul or Mank that had won for Best yeah, Original yeah, Score. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> you could just see him sitting there, like, just waiting for his name to be called. <laughs> that was a great speech, too. The fa- and I love that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are so well-established in the score, uh, category over the years is like from social network to to now i mean they were nominated twice for two different movies but the fact that they let john baptiste just talk the entire uh, speak the entire speech was a really cool move on their part because he definitely had the most to say because he was the uh make a shitty pun the heart and soul of soul he really was yeah i think they you know he was in the the music department obviously and the credits but i think he was also had some title as 
a cultural advisor or something yeah. for that movie. So yeah, he really was the guy they turned to about okay, what's yeah, what's jazz all about? What is what is this character? You know, how does this character speak to you? I'm sure I, I think uh, Pete Doctor and those guys really relied on him for mm-hmm. for that kind of stuff. But John Baptiste just seems like one of those truly genuine people that does not have a bad bone in his body. <laughs> like it's, I thought the same the, thing. The next time that guy says something bad about somebody will be the first time. He just seems like <laughs> such a nice guy. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Colbert. And at first, it took me a while to warm up to him as a personality. He, he's always been a phenomenal, phenomenal musician. But once you sort of get that that's what he's about, he's yeah, he's kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, just, just Yeah, you can tell way. he's kind of that, that, that classic introvert that you know always attracts musicians and yeah I th- yeah he's, he's a true talent and we definitely haven't heard the last of him no definitely not and and just one of those um side note on soul uh you know if you ever heard the phrase there's really no such thing as an overnight success take a look as an example the co-producer of soul uh dana murray who was going around with with pete doctor in the interviews all uh, all evening long. She started out doing Pixar movies in the art department and then got moved up to to being sort of a layout coordinator and then an art coordinator and then this and then that and then that. Over sort of 20 years now, she's been steadily, steadily, every movie climbing her way up the ladder till finally she's a co-producer on an Academy Award-winning movie. But that is that is what it takes a lot of times to, to make it in Hollywood. And it's true. Sorry, there is no the bottom now we hear. There is no overnight success. It takes you know, people like her, it takes a lot of work and just putting your dues in. So kudos to somebody like that too for for putting in the work. Um, other random thoughts. How the hell is Rita Moreno 89 years old? Ooh. I mean, she, she looks fantastic. <laughs> she still seems like she could sing and dance. I mean, wow, she's just uh, just an incredible woman. One of the one of the few EGOT uh, winners uh, in the world. And uh, my my final random comment. Is, is Francis McDormand doing a random wolf call, the 2021 equivalent of James Cameron's I'm the king of the world yell? Like, it kind of, it, it was pretty much like, it was, sure, everybody loves her, but eh, it was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, but she's, she's a weird lady. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she is. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't surprising, let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I guess not. If anybody was going to end their speech with a wolf howl, I would have picked her out of the pool. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I think that about covers it, uh, unless you have any more thoughts. No, no. As I said, it right. was, yeah, overall, overall enjoyable, and just hopefully they'll be able to fix some of the problems for next year and get some of the audience back. Yeah, I just hope they can meet somewhere in the middle, keep this general format, but draw more people in and... You know, we're going to have a lot more movies next year that are going to have a lot more eyeballs on them. I, th- I don't think that the Academy and ABC should really overreact to that 58% drop in Absolutely viewership not. because no. it, was, it was to be expected. So any kind of radical moves that they are currently planning should be avoided at all costs, I say, because I think it was one of the tightest, uh, most well-rounded and just overall better award shows over the past decade. Yeah, completely agree. So we hope you enjoyed 
the Oscars, those three or four people of you that saw them, <laughs> and we hope that you enjoyed our <laughs> ruminations on last night's award show. So, with that said, I'm Zach Miller. My Instagram is Zach T. Miller. You can always check us out at unsolicitedfilmreviews.com. Uh, I'm Martin Cook. My Instagram is jmartincook, cook with an E. And we will see you next time on the Unsolicited Film Reviews podcast. Thanks for listening, and keep watching those goddamn movies. Bye.